welcome to the Tifton Talks podcast. This is episode five, recorded October 18th, 2023. This one's going to include our very first business spotlight segment. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. First off, I want to thank everyone that has requested and become a member of the Facebook Tifton Talks group. We are creeping up to around 6,500 members. We've made some changes to the group. We've adjusted the rules, and they are now visibly posted, pinned, featured. The nomenclature keeps getting changed on Facebook, but what do you expect? So they're easier to find. We no longer allow Facebook pages to request membership. Uh, We're still having some issues with members not abiding by the no advertising rule. So we figured the best option is to keep it to profiles only. And when I say we... I am now referring to my lovely wife along with myself as she is now helping to admin the group because I get busy sometimes. So a couple of things, and then we'll get on with the rest of uh, the, the, the special segment of the episode. I want to talk about the price of things. Now, I know it's not lost on any of us that inflation's been an issue and that prices have continued to escalate. And whether you agree with me or not, it's not 100% due to inflation. It does have, I think it's a combination of things. It's inflation and it's corporations that took advantage of the situation. And that's as far as I'll go with that. We took my wife out for her birthday about two weeks ago, went to Red Lobster. And I know for some of you, you're probably thinking, well, Red Lobster is not a place to take anybody for a birthday, but I mean, it's not a bad place. For the most part, I've always enjoyed the food at Red Lobster. And I've always recognized that Red Lobster is somewhat of a pricier restaurant, especially when you compare it to an Applebee's or a Longhorn's. I would say a Logan's, but we started looking at the prices of of Logan's food and whoo! I don't know what they're what they're smoking over there, but um, no and no thank you. So there was four of us. It was myself, my wife, my son that was visiting from Seattle, and my daughter. And we didn't necessarily go with the most expensive things on the menu. Matter of fact, we we did our best to pick and choose things that what I would consider moderately priced when you go to a restaurant like Red Lobster. I mean, the most expensive thing that I, I, I saw, and I'm not sure it's the most expensive, but they had an entree that was around 40 bucks. And I'm like, this is not Atlanta. We get our food. It was, it was, it was pretty good. The bill, four people, $150. $150. That's not even with the tip. And so my son and I split it. So by the time we, we did... I think we both did 20%. It wound up $90 and change. So the whole bill was $180. $180. Now, it was my wife's birthday. It's what she wanted. Okay, I'm fine with that. But then the other day, we decided we were going to get some Taco Bell. Now, I I realize the days of the 59-cent tacos are long gone, way behind us. 
But honestly, I had no clue that even your basic soft tacos from Taco Bell had gotten so expensive. Eight tacos. We had we I bought eight soft tacos, not Supremes. Eight soft tacos and six Chalupa Supremes. I already knew that the Chalupa Supremes were expensive. You know, $24, I think, for six of them. But what got me was when I saw on the display, because I went through the drive-thru, I saw on the display board as they were ringing it up, eight tacos was over $18. And again, not even Supremes, just basic soft tacos, over $18. So, yeah, I think the, the the whole meal, tax and all, and then I did the roundup, was like $44. $44 for Taco Bell for four people in 2023. Oh, goodness. But on the upside, gas is now under $3 a gallon right now. I think I went by the end mark on 82. It was about 286, two, something like that if you paid cash. 290-something if you paid credit card, which I always do because I pay at the pump. I just, I have no need to go inside. So there's that. Of course, that can be partly attributed to the fact that the the gas tax has been suspended until um, about mid-November. That's been in our newsletter. And I think the price of oil had been coming down, but Unfortunately, with the the conflict going on now over in the Middle East with Israel and Palestine and all of that, that we may see that as a reverse trend. Finally, if you haven't already done so, please sign up for the Tifton Talks newsletter. You can go to tiftontalks.substack.com, or there is a sign-up option on the right-hand side of the tiftontalks.com website. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, now, enough of me rambling on about any and everything in my little pet peeves. Let's get to Business Spotlight, Century 21, Smith, Branch, and Pope. All right, well, welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Ron Branch, who is with Century 21, Smith, Branch, and Pope. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here, Donovan. Now, Century Twenty One, your your base is in Tifton, but you have a couple of other offices in different locations, don't you? Yes, we have office at uh, Cordell Lake. Well, called our Lake Blacher office, which cover the Tifton uh, area. Do quite a business, bit of business at Lake Blacher, and we also have an office in Sylvester, which covers that area, including all of it. And then, of course, our home office here in Tifton. Right. So we cover about. We can sell anywhere in the state or, or handle property anywhere in the state, but we consistently work about a 10-county area. That's about all you can do and, and be able to service the property. So how how long have you been in real estate? And, I, you know, I don't want you to give away your age <laughs> unless you want to. <laughs> I, I, I'm old as dirt. I've uh, been in real estate 29 years. It is a second career for me, though. I was with Georgia Power Company for over 20 years before I got in real estate. What made you leave that career and, and basically start a second one? Was it 
it was just time to retire from that first one and move in to, to do something else? No, no, I wasn't old enough to retire. What got me out of it was I uh, kept I was in and around Atlanta most of my career with George Fire Company. And being a South Georgia country boy, I got all of that traffic I could stand, and I finally just had enough of it. And that was the main reason I left. I said, there's got to be more to life than sitting in traffic three hours a day to get to work. So <laughs> I moved back home and went into real estate, and I've never looked back. It's the best decision I ever made. So you're a, you're a homegrown South Georgia boy. That's great. I was raised in Ashland, Georgia. Oh, okay. And I tell people I was raised in Tipton on Friday and Saturday night. Hey, trust me, I know. I'm I'm originally from Fitzgerald, and it basically the same scenario. Exactly. The reason why I wanted to get you on the program is we're developing this the whole Tifton Talks property. Uh, We've got a Facebook group. uh, I've started a newsletter, and I'm also doing a podcast. And I've been podcasting since 2011. And one of the things that I wanted to bring to this podcast was kind of doing a business spotlight. And with the way things are going in 2023, and hopefully we can touch on a lot of these things, in real estate specifically, what is the current state of the local housing market in terms of supply and demand? What are you seeing? The same thing that we've been seeing for the last year or two, Donovan, the supply is extremely low. The demand is much higher than supply. That's why the home prices have continued to rise. And for the first time uh, in the last month, uh, we're starting to see home prices stabilize. And actually, maybe uh, decrease a little bit on a national level. Home builders are actually starting to cut prices a little bit. Uh, I don't know that that's happening in our area, but as a whole across the country, that's what's happening. And the reason is it's a mortgage rate. Uh, mortgage rates actually are right now three times higher than they were in 2021. As a matter of fact, they've not slowed down their uh, have risen a little bit more in the past week. The national average uh, mortgage rate for a 30-year loan right now is around 7.8%. And uh, what's driving that is uh, the Fed target for inflation is 2%. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, that is still inflation rates at 3.8% from what I just read. And uh, that means we're going to see another rate increase probably before the end of the year. But the projections are that that's going to stabilize uh, not much higher than where it is now. And probably, uh, provided inflation starts coming back down a little bit, I, I think we're going to end up, and the uh, experts across the country seem to think within the next year we're going to end up back about where we were, maybe around 2000, which was around before the the recession, mm-hmm. uh, the average rate was about 6%, and uh, and people seem to be comfortable with that now. As a matter of fact, uh, this week, there's been a, about a 20% increase in people applying for mortgage loans. Mm. Uh, but that's kind of interesting because there's also been a decrease of, of actually, actually people buying homes. So I don't know. What that tells me is more people out there are still considering buying a home. They just haven't pulled the trigger yet. They're waiting to see what these interest rates are going to do. But I think they're starting to get used to it. I know years ago when uh, 7 
8% was normal. So uh, we're really just getting back to the old normal, I think, and I don't really think it's going to get down below 6%. I mean, uh, at least that's not what the experts are saying. So, so the new normal, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, pardon me for, for interrupting you, but... Um... Whenever we bought our house over here in Tifton in 2006, I believe our interest rate was a little under 5%. And then we refinanced in 2013, and I'm currently at 4.25%. And I know, especially in 2020, 2020 well, probably 2021, 2022, you, you started seeing, I know from my my mortgage uh, company, which is Mr. Cooper, they've changed names like 14 times, I think, but... They would yeah, inundate my well. inbox with, hey, 2%, 1.8%. And of course, all of that's all of that's dried up. But I'd like to roll all of what you said into something that uh, I came across yesterday. And you've probably seen this already, but I think it's important for people to understand. So this is according to the National Association of Realtors, and, and, and it goes on to say that the current state of buying houses in the U.S. presents significant challenges due to the soaring prices and hitting high records and diminishing home affordability, not to mention, like you just said, the, the interest rates. That's also a complication. Now, the one thing that was pointed out, and this was kind of a mathematical exercise, was previously, if you looked at an average interest rate of 2.8% for a half a million dollar home, $500,000 home for a 30-year fixed mortgage, a fixed rate mortgage. You were looking at a little under $2,000 a month. It was like 1,972. And the reason why we're doing this exercise is because it it seems that people don't actually understand the significance of a jump from an average of 3% to say 8%. Because at 2.8%, as I mentioned, you're looking at $1,972 a month. If you go to 7.9% for that same house, the same 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, it is a 77% increase at $3,488 a month, almost $3,500. There's a phenomenon that I read about, and I'm going to ask you if you've seen this here in South Georgia, but this... This was specifically up in the Pacific Northwest. Two years ago, they were building homes that were roughly 1,900 square feet, three-bedroom homes. They were $500,000 homes. Uh, the interest rate was about 3%, and you'd have to put 5% down. So you're looking at roughly a $2,000 a month monthly payment. Fast forward two years now in 2023, what they're doing is they're, read, they're, they're making smaller homes. Now, it's a 1,500-square-foot home that goes for about $100,000 less. Instead of $500,000, it's $400,000. But it's roughly $100 more at $2,100 a month because they're putting down 10%, and maybe you're getting a 6% interest rate. Have you seen in this area anything like that happening where the prices are staying pretty consistent, but in new construction, they're making smaller homes. Yeah, we're seeing that a lot in this area, uh, Donovan. Uh, what you just said is it just applied to this area. We're seeing uh, 2,000 square foot homes. Now, uh, where you might, you, just a couple of years ago, you could find for 
100, $120 square foot. Now they're probably 140 to $175 square foot. We've even seen some closer to $200 a square foot. Mm. We've never seen that before. And the way it's affecting uh, buyers, the ones that are most affected are the young people. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that this is really hurting. They they want to buy. Uh, they want to be the new home buyers, but the interest rates and credit requirements are, are really hurting them. The largest group of buyers with the most money, uh, probably no surprise, are the the uh, the older folks, uh, folks like you and I. Mm-hmm. I read I read an article recently that said that uh, they that. They're, they're paying cash in, in, in some cases for homes. The next the group that's buying the most homes are millennials, but this is an interesting t- statistic. I read this last week. Thirty Over 35% of millennials are getting their down payment either through inheritance or gifted from parents mm-hmm. or relatives. Uh, that means, in other words, a third of millennials, even though they're the second highest group, they're getting their down payments somewhere else. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting statistic. Uh, it, it is more and more difficult to, to get a loan now, that's for sure. And the biggest the, the biggest problem is the interest rate. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. And what you just described, too, reminds me of some, some articles I read about one of the biggest wealth transfers that we're about to see is probably from the baby boomers down to the millennials. And even potentially the Gen Zers are known as the Zoomers. It just kind of skipped to yeah. Generation X. <laughs> it said, "Nope, you're not, you're not getting anything." <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, I have I have three children. Two of them are millennials, and one is considered a Zoomer. And two of them no longer live with me. The two millennials, one's in Seattle, <laughs> one's in San Francisco, and neither one of them own a home. They both lease. And you can imagine their, I forget the square footage. Now, granted, there, there are some, some positives, if you will, as to their location and the amenities that they get by being where they are. Um, they're in metropolitan areas, but they pay $3,000 plus a month in just rent. And yeah. they're definitely... They need to leave California. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> one one of them is in Seattle, and he can't leave because he works for Amazon AWS. He he's uh, he works for the, uh, the the cloud division of Amazon, and he trust me, he would have loved to have stayed working, just stay here in Tifton and making the money that he's making. Um, but they were like, no, we we need you in Seattle. So it, it's it's unfortunate, yeah, and, and same thing happened to my oldest son too when he had to go to San Francisco. My youngest son, the one that lives in Seattle, he he actually came and visited with us for about six weeks, and I mean, even what he makes, he he, we were looking at home prices in the Seattle area and even out in the suburban areas, and it's just even for him, he's like, I do want to buy a home one day, but I can't afford these prices, even even with what I make. He said, "This no. is ridiculous." No, in 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 a that part of the country it is and uh, we're no thank god we're not anywhere near uh, that problem <laughs> oh i know he looked at our house and i mean i, I you know our house is not huge it's about 2500 square feet and he looked at this house and he said 
dad, this house would sell for almost $800,000 out in Seattle. And I'm like, well, let's pick it up and move it. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but no. But you'd also have to live there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. And personally, <clears throat> I, I may ha- I may have some issues with South Georgia. Like I said, I, I'm I'm born and bred here, but it's every time I think about leaving, I just I'm like, no, this is probably where I'm gonna die. I'm, I'm the same way, and I have lived other places, and uh, you see where I ended up. Uh, I just haven't found anywhere I'd rather be than here. Yeah, <laughs> Tifton's a great place as far as it's not too big, but it's not too small. I wouldn't want to live in Macon. I wouldn't want to live in Atlanta. Um, no. Definitely don't and want to I've live anywhere in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've lived in both of those places, and I have no desire to go back. And, they're, you know, great places to visit and all that. But sure. But the thing about uh, tip, our, our area, where we live here in the Tip area, you're still within uh, two and a half hours of International Airport. Mm-hmm. You're within two and a half hours of the Atlantic Ocean and within two and a half hours of the Gulf. And within three and a half hours of the North Georgia Mountains. So just about anything you want within less than a half a day's drive. So yeah, it's a great place. We, we we have made frequent trips to the Valdosta Airport because it's just easier for us to you know drive an hour down there and uh, either pick up my son or carry him back down. Like we just carried him carried him down there Saturday so that he could fly to Atlanta, then fly back to Seattle. So it's it's this nice little hub that we have, like like you say. Yeah, but I do the same thing. Yeah. How long have uh, how long are homes typically staying on the market before they're being sold? Now, the time the time on the market has actually increased a little bit lately. It's uh, running uh, around thirty days. I can't remember the exact number, but it's a uh, uh, it was like a week, uh, but now it's, it's uh, actually averaging a little over thirty days. Of the last numbers I saw, which is still extremely fast. Uh, it used to be back to before the recession. It uh, back. Average it used to run anywhere from three to four months, but we're we're still only about a month. How was it right before COVID? It's not a, it, was, it, was, uh, it was it was about three months. Okay, we're we're, we're actually uh, we're actually still getting there's still uh, nice homes that go on the market that we'll have multiple offers on and uh, and sell it within a week. That's still not uncommon. So. You would say it's a it's a seller's market, not a buyer's market, or is it kind of evenly oh, split? Oh, it's, it's, no, no, no. It's definitely a seller's market, no question. Okay. Uh, because there's a there's, uh, demand uh, is much more than supply. Gotcha. So as long as it's that way, it's going to be a seller's market. So here in that's the one reason, even though the rate that was that's one reason, Donovan. That's even though the rates have continued to creep up. Yeah. And, uh, that's one reason that the home prices haven't dropped. It's because there is such a uh, low demand. I mean, low supply. Gotcha. So home prices still holding steady and actually still increasing a little bit. But, but like I said, for the first time this past month, in the in, matter of fact, I just read this past week that uh, this month is the first time we've actually seen a little bit of decrease, particularly in new homes are starting to. Uh, I'm not going to say that's uh, true right here in Tifton, but mm-hmm. uh, across the country, builders are starting to drop prices a little bit to and, uh, to get buyers to come on in and buy homes. And the reason they are is the high interest rates are spooking builders uh, as well as buyers. They don't want to get stuck with, with homes that they can't sell. Well, with that said, 
are in the areas that you cover that that Century Twenty One covers currently. Are there any specific neighborhoods or areas that are experiencing higher demand or growth? The you know actually it's just everything. Uh, when investors that like to buy homes, uh, three bedroom, small, you know, fifteen hundred square foot homes or less, let's say, for rent, uh, they like to buy three bedroom, two bath homes for rent. You used to could buy a home like that for eighty to hundred dollars a square foot with no problem. Now they're in, you're having to pay hundred and fifty thousand dollars or more for a home like that, and you can't make the numbers work for rent. Mm-hmm. So investors are, are crying for for more property to buy for for rental property. And that's one reason you're seeing such a, a tremendous increase in apartments that are being built in our area. Gosh, they're building them by the hundreds. Uh, and a lot of them are luxury apartments, and, and uh, the rent for something like that now for even a one bedroom, one bath is not unusual to be a thousand dollars a month. Mm. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, so that I guess that answers my next question. The types of properties that are in high demand would be apartments right now. That's right, but there and that's why there's so many of them being built. So that demand, in my opinion, should slow down in the next year or so because we are having so many new apartments going up. Right, which could potentially, I could envision, and I'm not a real estate guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I could envision that we suddenly wind up with a glut, and that could potentially, I don't know, tank rental prices at that point? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, definitely, uh, that can happen. It's all about supply and demand, and the way they're building apartments right now in our area uh I can't help but believe that the, the supply is essentially going to meet demand, and that's when you'll see rent prices probably come down. Some. But right now, people are having to pay whatever because a lot of these young people can't afford to buy homes because of the reasons we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. So they have to rent. In today's digital age, your online privacy is under constant threat. Hackers, data snoopers, and even your own internet service provider can track your every move leaving your personal information exposed. But fear not. There's a powerful shield that can safeguard your digital life, and that is Private Internet Access. Private Internet Access VPN is your ultimate privacy solution. With just a single click, you can encrypt your internet connection, making your online activities completely anonymous. Hackers will hit a dead end. Data snoops will see only encrypted gibberish. And even your ISP won't be able to track your every move. But that's not all. Private Internet Access VPN also allows you to virtually travel the world, choose from their vast network of servers in different countries, and experience the Internet as if you were there. Whether you're streaming your favorite shows, accessing blocked websites, or simply safeguarding your sensitive information, PIA is your trusted companion. Don't compromise on your digital privacy any longer. Join the millions who've already taken control of their online experience with private internet access. Use the affiliate link at tiftontalks.com slash PIA and get 30 days free. That's tiftontalks.com slash PIA to unlock the power of online privacy today. Private internet access. Your privacy, your rules. Well, so we've got all these projects, we, you know, apartment complexes being built and et cetera, et cetera. 
Are there any upcoming developments or projects that may impact property values or market dynamics? And one, the first thing that I think of, and I, you know, I don't know if this has any bearing on it whatsoever, because there seems to be a, a divide between the the pro and the and the cons. We now have liquor stores here in Tifton. Have you ever seen anything like that affect property values? Not anymore. It used to. I think, uh, as a matter of fact, I remember a time 20 years ago when we had uh, people that were coming in interviewing for jobs for the hospital, doctors, uh, professional people like that that didn't want to come to Tipton. And that was one of the reasons that I was told on more than one occasion by people from other parts of the country coming in here looking at coming, uh, taking these jobs that uh, they couldn't believe they couldn't get a uh, uh, drink, uh, an alcohol drink at a restaurant even at that time. Mm-hmm. That's all changed, and even though we haven't had liquor stores right here in Tipton, we have them up and down I-75 fairly close. It's a you know, 20-minute drive anywhere. So now and now we have them here. But no, that's not been an issue, I don't think, not in the last 15 years anyway. We, we've seen a lot of new so, construction as far as businesses coming in, too, and I can't think of one specifically off the top of my head, but I, I know like some chains and some other businesses – you go you go out on eighty two, especially out on the west side. You just see building after building, new construction, new construction, and I would think that that would make Tifton more attractive for people to not only come and shop but potentially buy a home here. And that seems like that that would also affect your property values. And as we've already talked about, also is a reason why, along with the other things we've talked about, we've got such an explosive growth in, in new apartment complexes being built. Uh, yes. As you probably know, Georgia, for several years in a row now, has been the number one state in the country to do business. And Tifton falls right in there with that. As a matter of fact, because of the fact that we're on I-75 and we are where five interstate highways intersect here, that's why we have so much, such a large industrial park and why we have so many uh, distribution centers like the new Coca-Cola distribution center. Mm-hmm. And that creates a lot of jobs and all the, uh, uh it creates, uh, businesses that support those distribution centers. And that in turn creates more reference and fast food and all that type of stuff, more hotels. Uh, we have a convention center here. We have a four year college. We have a, a huge uh, medical center. Uh, there's a, Tiffany's got a lot to offer. And matter of fact, I think the last count I heard was we have approximately 140 to 150 physicians. Here. So we have a lot to offer, and we're considered one of the uh, hot spots up and out, down I-75, I understand, to, to bring new business, and we're seeing it. Uh, we see it every day. So, yes, it's a great place to, to come to if you're looking for a career or, or quality of life. I mean, that that's great. Couldn't get much better. Yeah. I'd also like to think that, that to toot my own horn here a little bit, that I had a little bit of to, to play in this, and you're probably thinking, what is he talking about? Keep in mind, <laughs> I used to be, I, I used to work for the city of Tifton, and I started out as the, the network manager for CityNet, and then I became the general manager for several years, and then, of course, we were sold off to Plant Telephone, but we were the first. The city of Tifton brought broadband into Tifton and Tift County, but specifically Tifton first, 1999, we lit That's up right. the first customer. Right. And at that time, 
you know, we we recognized, and this is something I hate to say you don't normally see in government, even local governments, but we recognized the need for that connectivity for businesses to come in because the internet was hitting an explosive period of growth. Everybody was getting online. Amazon was just becoming the juggernaut that it is today. And, you know, now we easily have, well, we have True Vista, which, which bought plant. We have Mediacom. We got uh, a ClearWave, which used to be Hargrave. And I can't, I don't think, I think those are the three major ones. I'm not sure if anybody else is here. So, and even, even Fitzgerald, Georgia, little, and I say this affectionately, Podunk, Fitzgerald, Georgia, and Ben Hill County are getting fiber gigabit speeds uh, through some co-ops, you know, with, uh, with the EMCs and what have you. That's the reason why I wanted to bring that up. I mean, I think if you look back, I think that has a lot to do with it too. It's not the only thing, but I can guarantee you this. If Tifton did not have access to high-speed broadband, and now today, I mean, we're talking gigabit speeds, you probably wouldn't see a lot of businesses coming here. Absolutely. That's one of the questions that we're asked frequently in our business uh, when people are looking for places to do business here. Uh, Do you have high-speed internet uh, and the speeds that they want? And uh, you're absolutely right. That's been uh, one of the best things we ever did. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, of course it's it's getting it's pretty much getting that way all over the state now thanks to True. Governor Brian Kemp. He was one pushing that we have high speed internet in every corner of the state, and we just about do. Uh, but we were the one of the first rural areas to get it, and because of what you've been talking about, and it really was a boom for us and get attracting new business. Yeah, we got a lot of pushback on that because there was a lot of people didn't think the government should be involved in it. And we're not going to go down that route, but I think all in all, and a lot of people can look back at, at that and go, yeah, that was that was the right call. Are there any government policies or incentives affecting the housing market locally? And what I mean by that is, do we have, do we have any governmental incentives here in Georgia to maybe go with like green energy, like solar and wind and, and things like that. You, you see any of that type of thing cropping up on new constructions? Uh, occasionally you'll see something about it. The one thing that we do see is there are incentives for historical homes. And uh, we have uh, some local authorities in our area that are experts on this. And if anybody's really interested in a historical home and what they need to do to get some of these incentive grants, uh, we can help them with that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but uh, that's the main thing. Uh, but gosh, the demand is high for everything. Historical homes, new homes, you name it. <laughs> <laughs> so you have people, people that want to buy homes, have to, they, they just have limited choices, so they're expanding their, their uh, things that they consider. Mm. Yeah, I know we do have, uh, I saw a little bit of that working with the city about the whole uh, historical sections of Tifton, and you are, you're kind of bound by certain things that you can and cannot do when it comes to the the houses that are designated that way. I just, it was news to me, though, that you could actually get grants and things for them. Yeah. If you uh, have the right connections, you certainly can. (laughs) I know you didn't just say that. We, I did. I, no, I, I, I didn't mean that in a, in a negative way. Uh, I guess 
that's what I should say, when you know the right people to talk to. Uh, and uh, yes. and we we do have uh, an expert that actually works with us who's uh, certified in that area. That can help. All right. Well, that's good to know. Anybody that's looking at that, y'all contact Century 21. Smith, Branch, and Pope, and yeah. they can help you out on that. Uh, we're going to skip down a couple of these things because we basically danced around and already answered them. But what what are some of the effective strategies for buyers or sellers to to navigate this current market successfully, knowing all of the challenges that we have with the higher interest rates and the and the lower inventory? Well, that's really what we're here for. To be honest with you, Donovan, we're not tooting our own horn, but I mean, you know, purchasing a new home is something that. Uh, the average person probably doesn't do more than about three times in their lifetime. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a, probably the biggest expense most of them ever incur. So they, they won't have, they want an expert to work with them and, and lead them in the process and guide them through it. And that's what we're here for. That's what real estate agents are for. And, uh, so, uh, we're actually, uh, realtors, which is, uh, means that we're a member of the National Association, Georgia Association of Realtors. And our local association builders, and we are held to a higher standard in, in what we offer, and we're also held to a higher standard when it comes to the code of, code of ethics. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, but we're here to help home buyers and home sellers and help guide them through the process. That, that's our main, main service. We're here to help. That's the reason why you have to have a license to be able to, to be a real estate agent. Yes, absolutely. Okay. It's, it's a, it's a Pretty complicated process. Uh, I actually teach. I'm actually licensed instructor with the Georgia Real Estate Commission, and, and we own South Georgia School of Real Estate. And uh, uh, it's not an easy course to get through. There's a lot involved in learning how to do it. <laughs> I thought about it, but I was like, no, I'll I'll, I'll stay in my lane. I'll I'll stay with technology. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well. There are a lot of people that's interested in it because our classes fill up. So we teach it twice a year, and it takes about two and a half months to go through the course. And it, it, it fills up just about every time. Is it a? Uh, is it expensive? No, uh, our school is four hundred ninety nine dollars, and that includes uh, all your, your books and materials as well. It takes about two and a half months. We teach uh, two nights a week from six to nine. It takes about two and a half months, and during that period of time, there are also three Saturday classes that are six hours long. But uh, you have to pass the final exam in order to, you have to pass, the, it's called a pre-license real estate course. You have to pass this course somewhere at some school in the state before you can sit for the Georgia Real Estate exam through the Georgia Real Estate Commission. So until you pass this course, you can't sit for that exam. This course teaches you... Uh, uh, what you have to know and how to take that exam, and then you just pass that exam, and that's how you get your real estate license. Hmm. Okay, so it and is. And there's a lot of, and then there's a lot of continuing education. Uh, realtors uh, have to uh, have 36 hours of continuing education uh, over a four-year period. Every licenses are renewed every four years. You have to have 36 hours of continuing education during that period of time in order to renew your license. So it's a, it's a constant uh, education process, uh, which is, is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's just like in, in IT. I mean, if, if I just stopped learning back in 2000, I wouldn't be very effective today. So I'm, I'm constantly... Exactly. Wait for that. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm constantly having to, and especially with all the threats and cybersecurity and stuff that's going on these days. I mean, it's we we don't have to have so many credits every every you know within four years or whatever. We basically have to just keep our nose to the the grindstone on a daily basis. So <laughs> you yeah. just never know. I mean, uh, it's you know things are constantly changing and everything these days. So you have to stay on top of it. A lot of changes in technology, and I can hardly keep up with it. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, when, when you started out, there was no such thing as websites, probably, right? I mean, you didn't you didn't have a Century Twenty One no. website to go to and and actually, because you can go not just you guys, but pretty much all real estate agencies, you can go and look at the properties that are for sale online. Oh, absolutely! Oh, absolutely! They have to. You wouldn't stay in business long if you didn't. Yeah. Well, how has the, um, I guess with all of these changes, how has the, the behavior or the preferences of the buyers also changed? Well, they're, they're, <laughs> they're begging for homes to say, I mean, we're, you wouldn't believe the people that want to buy homes right now. We don't have anything to show them. Uh, we have a list of buyers ready to buy that we just don't have the, the, the supply for them. So, uh, mm. Uh, that, I mean, that's there. I don't think there anything really changed other than they just uh, they just wish they could get in the home uh, uh, cheaper and quicker than they they, they came out. Honestly, I have no plans. Uh, I'd have to have a drastic life change for me to even contemplate selling our our property now because I got like I said I've got a pretty good interest rate and of course I still have many years left on the. At least probably half, maybe not half of the thirty-year mortgage, but knowing I could probably get a fair amount, probably almost double what I paid for it originally. But then, what am I going to do with that? You know, I can't find something else without it being closer to seven or eight percent interest rate, and I probably would have to get a smaller home anyway. There, there. That's exactly that's one of the biggest reasons that we have low inventory right now. Uh, but the problem is, is just exactly what you just said. We have quite a few people that would like to upgrade uh, uh, or downsize, whatever the case may be in their life, that aren't doing it. They're sitting and staying where they are because they've got these 3% mortgage rates. And they say, why do I want to go now, say, 7.8% mortgage rate for a home that's half the size of what I have now? Mm-hmm. And you stop thinking about it, uh, it makes sense. And so they're not they're not moving. So they're just sitting tight where they are. They don't want to give up that three percent mortgage money that they have now. So that that's a big reason we don't have the inventory that we used to have. Yeah, I mean, we we could effectively downsize because you know I'm missing two of my kids now here, but I, I still can't. My brain just won't let me go. Well, you're you're paying four point two five percent, and even if you got you know, $300,000 out of the house, you're still going to wind up having to buy something that's around thirteen to 1,500 square feet. And there goes probably half that money at an 8% interest rate. I'm just not, I'm not doing it. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to do it. And, and, and a lot of other people aren't either. So there, that just, comp- that just uh, further uh, adds to the problem that we have with supply. Yeah. All right. One last thing that I want to kind of pick your brain about or let, let folks know about before I, I let you go. You made the, I think you made the comment that 
you know, purchasing a home is probably the biggest expense that most people ever will do. And on average, they probably won't do it more than two or three times in their lifetime. And I personally have only done it once, the one that I'm in now. Prior to that, I was in a 2,000 square foot mobile home, which was an upgrade from what my wife and I started out when we got married uh, 33 years ago. There was a lot of things that I didn't know getting into this. And of course, it, it took someone like yourself and you know, much to my chagrin, I I didn't buy it from you guys, but that's because I didn't really know y'all that well at the time. It was 06. But, uh, and honestly, my wife went online and she found the house that, that we're in now. And of course it was, it it was represented by another real estate agent, agency. So we got, we came and we looked at it, but I didn't, I didn't know all of the particulars, like what you're supposed to do, like the home inspection and things like that. What, what are some of the things that that new homeowners that could be gotchas for new homeowners when they're when they're they found that house that that this is the one but they they need to be careful because they may wind up getting into a situation that their dream home turns into a nightmare. That's a good question. And uh I like to tell people that uh, buying a home is not is there's no high pressure sales in this at all. I don't even consider consider us sales people. We we're more uh, service providers. We're helping people uh, fulfill their dream of, owner, of home ownership and helping them, guiding them through the process. And part of that process is not high pressure. Uh, matter of fact, our contracts now, we typically advise and, and typically people do, buyers get a due diligence period after they sign the contract, after they sign a binding contract, they still have X number of days. Uh, the typical time would be 10 days to do a home inspection. And we advise people to do home inspections. And there are a lot of home inspectors around, and they're very reasonably priced. A typical home inspection on an average home uh, costs 400 to 450 somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's to find anything and everything that may be wrong with the home. They're not looking to see how good it is. They're looking to find faults with it. And most of the time, the things they find are things that the sellers didn't even know were wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, like maybe a, a rotten floor under the bathroom. Uh, sellers don't crawl around other houses to look for things like that. So it's not, not anybody's fault. It's just things nobody knew. And these things, uh, issues typically get addressed. And so by the time they actually purchase the home, close the sale, so those things have been addressed and uh, either have been corrected or they've been given an allowance to correct them themselves. And uh, this is a good thing because it keeps them from from buying a, a lemon, if you will, and uh, they have the opportunity to do that. And uh, we didn't used to do business like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something we've done and started doing in the last few years, and it hasn't affected sales whatsoever except it gives buyers and sellers uh, the opportunity to uh, make sure that uh, they're getting a good home and the sellers, uh, nobody's coming back after the seller after the sales closed because they've addressed any issues uh, beforehand. And everybody uh, comes out of the, the closing uh, happy, and that's what you want. And it's just a lot better the way we handle it now than it used to be and makes for a, a much smoother process, I think. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, we did, we, we did have a home inspection here, and... 
there was there was a couple of minor things that came up, and I looked at it, and there was only like one or two of them. I was like, if y'all will fix these, then you know we've got a deal. And it wasn't wasn't a major exactly. issue. I think the biggest thing is I is my hand cramping signing and initialing all of the financial documents that you have to do. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> you buy a home. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Oh, uh, it takes a while, but it's it's worth it. It's worth it. You would you would think with all of the technological advancements that we could get away from that and not not have to do all of that. Just you know, give me an iPad and let me put my thumbprint there or something. Come on. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> oh, probably, that, that, that's probably coming. <laughs> yeah, more than more than likely. I know I know the the automotive industry as far as car sales have have changed a lot, especially. In the uh, the financial documents and stuff like that, um, one of one of my clients is a, a car, car dealership, and ah, most of the time, I don't even think you have to physically have any paperwork anymore. So, yeah, I, I could see something like that probably changing in the real estate industry as well. Well, that's, well, that's one of the changes that we have seen. We do a uh, we don't even have paper files in the office anymore. Everything's online. Mm-hmm. And we uh, do quite a we have, we uh, accept the banks the lenders accept it lawyers accept it uh, electronic signatures online you can actually uh, you can actually buy a home all online and uh, sign the documents and everything and not even have to see anybody in person so that's quite a change from how we used to do business well there you go we're we're already there <laughs> exactly exactly oh. Well, Ron, it has been a pleasure uh, talking with you today. Thank you for taking time to answer all these questions, and hopefully, this will be beneficial for our listeners if they're looking to get, you know, a new home or, you know, seeing some of the obstacles <laughs> that they're going to be facing here in 2023 and probably going into 2024 uh, buying a home. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me on the show, Donovan, and uh, it's been my pleasure. I All right. The, the listeners uh, learn something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I have, I, and and that was the whole point is to to try to do a spotlight on local businesses and also maybe maybe learn something while we're doing it. So again, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. I hope you have a fantastic rest of the week. We got cooler temperatures coming in. You know. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> you take care. All right. Thanks, Ron. I want to thank Ron for taking time to discuss real estate today, as well as our thanks to all the fine folks at Century 21, Smith, Branch, and Pope. If you're in the market for a new home or you wish to sell your existing home, or if you're interested in getting into real estate and becoming an agent, give them a call. That will wrap up this episode of the Tifton Talks podcast. If you have any comments about this episode or any of the other episodes, you can email podcast at tiftontalks.com. Or you can call our voicemail line at 762-354-2916 and leave a brief voicemail. Did you enjoy the interview segment? Why or why not? Let me know. Thanks for listening, and I hope you and yours are safe, happy, and looking toward a bright future. We'll talk again soon. (music) 